And I would do that at the beginning when you're purchasing or leasing the vehicle, because once you start using the actual cost and depreciate the vehicle, you cannot switch to miles. Other than that, you analyze it. And uh, the other thing that I can think of, it's a lot easier to keep track of miles than all the expenses around a vehicle from the logistics point of view, because you may never be asked, but if you're asked, you'll have to find and show proof of all the expenses. Hey, it's Justin Harvey. Thanks for tuning in to the Anesthesia and Pain Management Success Podcast. With APM Success, we take a close look at important topics pertaining to business, practice management, personal finance, and careers for anesthesiologists and pain management physicians. We work hard to take your critical questions straight to the experts. Thanks for listening. Hello, and welcome to episode 177 of APM Success. Today, we're going to be talking about section 162 of the Internal Revenue Code. Had I been planning ahead, this would have been episode 162 to talk about this topic, but I have joining me today, my friend Evgeny Ivanov. Welcome, Evgeny. Hey, Justin. It's a pleasure to be here. And yeah, section 162 is a very broad section, and it covers all the expenses, and our topic is part of that section. And this is one of these things, you know, I, for any of our business owner clients, this topic always comes up and the application and the answers to the questions that they have vary based on circumstances. But what we're going to cover today is looking at cars and auto deductions and can I expense or depreciate my vehicle and in what circumstances is that legit as a business owner, as an employee, as somebody who's working locums, and we'll look at a number of different scenarios for that. For starters, you know, Evgeny, maybe talk about, so obviously you see a lot of different, you do a lot of tax return prep and give tax advice. And so you see people wanting to do all kinds of things and probably encouraging you to like, you know, get me as many deductions as I can. So what are the, some of the misconceptions or some of the, you know, when, whenever people are asking you about the, the expensing of vehicle use for a business, what are the common issues that come up? Well, a lot of people just don't know all the rules about you know the business expenses and what qualifies as a business expense i meet i meet people that think that commuting from home to work is a business expense and it's not and a lot of people don't really keep track of their mileage when the expense mileage it's it's hard to keep track of all these expenses you can imagine you go stop for gas here and there the, all the tolls that uh, states that have tolls and it's, it's a tough conversation sometimes. Um, people need to calculate the business percentage use and what actually counts as business. So let's start with the most basic sort of scenario where I'm a business owner, I have a medical practice, and I drive from home to the medical practice Monday through Friday to, to do my medical work, treating patients and, and things. Is What you just said is that doesn't qualify as business use. Is that right? That's right. If that's all you do, you have one office location, you don't travel to any other locations, you get up in the morning, you go to, to work and go home, you have no business use of auto. Uh, it's all personal. And in what context as a medical practice owner would I then have a legitimate business use for that vehicle? Now, let's say you had another office location. So you go in the morning to your office, you, you see a couple of patients, then you drive to the other office to meet somebody there, or you can go to a hospital and perform a surgery. Any Anything that happens after you go to work in the morning, any other locations, it could be even a, 
meeting with, I know you don't really advertise, so you don't market with patients in, a, in the healthcare industry, but you can meet with the certain vendors, certain pharmaceutical companies. If you drive to any of their locations or even for lunch, that's business. Yeah, or doing education in the community or things like that. Yeah. That's that's business. And so if we think about this in terms of, you know, the the pro rating that's necessary. If you're if you own a car and you're claiming a business deduction for that car, you have to say, well, this is 10% or 30% or 50% and and substantiate that by the miles that you're driving. Is that right? That's right. So the pro rating is based on business miles, miles over total miles. And okay. that's how you say, hey, my car is 50% business or 70% business. And then you have to multiply all the expenses that you have, legitimate business expenses by that ratio. And that's your deduction. So if I drive 10 miles in the morning from my home to my office, and I drive at lunch 10 miles from my office to my surgery center, and then after the day is over, I drive 10 miles from the surgery center back home. The total business miles in based on what you're describing is 10 miles. And it's the distance between the office and the surgery center and going to the office and coming home from the surgery center, both would not count for a business use. Is that accurate? That's right. And what's more important is that 10 miles is basically 33%. Right. Right. So the gasoline that you spend in those 30 miles, if it's one gallon of gas, depending on the vehicle you drive. So one third of that gallon is a business expense. I know it's tough to keep track of all these, but that's basically the rule. And this is on a yearly basis. So one don't don't get discouraged if one day you have 30% because certain other days you may have 90. And keep track of them. <laughs> I know that uh, you know for some of the tax credits for electric vehicles, there were a lot of like limits and thresholds and this type of vehicle you can only pay that many dollars. I'm I'm curious if like are there ceilings or phase outs for cost of an automobile and if I buy a Maserati <laughs> and it's, it's 33% expensable. And I spend $300,000 for it. Is that a hundred thousand dollars deductible expense or is there a cap there? I know this is like a live fire question. So I don't know if you know that off the top of your head, but I was curious. No, I, I haven't heard of any limits, but at the same time there I will not be surprised if there is any it's it's at, at the end, I can tell you the definition from section 162, as you mentioned is is it ordinary and necessary in carrying on any trade or business? So I think people can interpret that differently. And some of the legions of new IRS agents that are going to be hired in the next couple of years with this big $80 billion influx may not agree that driving a Maserati constitutes a reasonable and necessary expense rather than well, a normal vehicle. When you think about it, it most of the expenses even around that Maserati, it doesn't make a difference because the depreciation will be limited for, uh, because of the luxury automobile. If it's, uh, I don't okay. know of any Maserati being over 6,000 pounds. So the maximum depreciation you can take in year one is 18. It's, a, it's adjusted for depreciation, but let's say, I think it's like 19,200 right now. And then every other year also have limitations. So what happens is if we speak only about depreciation, it can take you, let's say, 100 years to depreciate that Maserati, even though it's a five-year asset. Um, and I can get it, maybe some of the maintenance costs are probably higher than a regular car, but the gasoline price is the same. Got to do 93, though. <laughs> 
So instead of eighty seven, that's right. That's right. Well, a lot of a lot of the vehicles do that even now. Even even the, if there's like let's say fifty thousand dollars. So yeah. Okay. So that helps for practice owners. For what about for locums? So especially in the anesthesia world, locums work is something that's not uncommon. If you're a if you're a locums physician, you're a ten ninety nine independent contractor. Maybe you have set up an entity for yourself. Maybe not. How would someone like that think about vehicle purchasing, expensing, lease, buy, deductibility, all that stuff? You know, I'm sure you can expense vehicle expenses. I'm just not. Uh, probably the CPA needs to evaluate the locums and their agreements and what they don't the commute regarding the commuting. That's where the issue is. Is driving from home to the locums location considered commuting? If it's a locums for a longer period of time, let's say you go to the same locums place for over a year, it's probably commuting. If it's less than that, I don't know. You'll have to uh, evaluate each situation. That's a good distinction, I think. And for long-term locums at the same site of service, for someone interested in deductibility, that is one of the criteria that the IRS is going to look at is how long have you been going to the same place? And that does indicate a little something about whether or not this is commuting or whether this falls under the reasonable and necessary business test. That's right. And regarding lease or buy, also you'll have to evaluate the expenses because the lease is also a qualified expense and depreciation is the same. Now, if you lease, you cannot depreciate it. You just deduct the business use of the lease payments that you make. I mean, other than that, maintenance, it's it's the same between lease and buy. So if you're leasing a vehicle, you know, in the example that I used where you go home to office, office to surgery center, surgery center to home, and we say it's a 33% breakdown, all of your expenses, including if it's a leased vehicle, 33% of the lease expense would then become deductible for you as a business owner. Is that right? Yes. And that's if you actually use, there's two methods of use calculating your vehicle costs is the actual cost of all the expenses that you have or mileage. Now, if you use the actual method, that's correct. And one one small tweak that the lease vehicles have, there is a small amount that actually needs to be added to your income. And IRS has, it's, a, it's based on IRS tables and it's based on the value of the lease. That's the small tweak. Number is very minor, but that is the rule. If you lease a vehicle, you can deduct the, the lease, the business use of the, uh, the business use percentage of the lease uh, payments, but you also need to add a little bit to, to your income. So a little bit of a luxury tax sounds like the nicer your car is, the more imputed income you're going to have and pay a little bit of tax on that. That's right. But I looked at the numbers. If the car is, let's say, $50,000, I think it's a dollar. Okay. If, it, oh, if, it, okay. if it's like 300000 I mean, those tables are prepared by the IRS. It can go to 1000 if the car is over, let's say, I don't know, certain to 300,000, I, I don't remember the numbers, but it's, it's when you think about it, if your lease payment is 1,500 uh, a month, and we're talking about 18,000 of uh, in, uh, lease payments a year, adding $200 is nothing. Right, right. And other incidentals, well, actually, let me make one other observation here. So if you're driving a really expensive vehicle or a luxury, it doesn't need to be really expensive, but at some level, there is a sort of a break-even point in terms of, am I deducting the miles and getting the IRS cents per mile? Is it like 61 cents right now? I know they adjust it for inflation 60, every year. 62 and a half right now. Okay. Yeah. There you go. 62 and a half per mile or 
the depreciation on the vehicle. So the more your vehicle costs up to a point, the depreciation may get you a bigger deduction than just using them. If you have a super cheap vehicle, the depreciation is going to be worth less. The miles might be worth more depending on how much you drive. And so that's, I guess, one calculation you want to be aware of and think through with your CPA, run the math to say, which way do I want to go on this? Is it actual cost or is it mileage? Is that accurate? And I would do that at the beginning when you're purchasing or leasing the vehicle, because once you start using the actual cost and depreciate the vehicle, you cannot switch to miles. Other than that, you analyze it. And uh, the other thing that I can think of, it's a lot easier to keep track of miles than all the expenses around a vehicle from the logistics point of view, because you may never be asked, but if you're asked, you'll have to find and show proof of all the expenses. Yeah. Yeah. And I keep track of my miles using an app called Mile IQ. There's other apps out there I know. It is annoying to deal with, but it's, you know, I think it's the least annoying option. So we'll link to that in the show notes, apmsuccess.com slash 177. We'll also link to the uh, internal revenue code section 162. In case you're trying to cure your insomnia, you can give that a gander. How about speeding tickets? That's interesting. I wish you could get deducted them, but that's technically a penalty by a governmental institution. So those are non-deductible. So try to get out of them. Try to get out of them. I just talked to somebody a couple of days ago, and he was proud that he he was pulled over seven times and got out of them all uh, all seven times. Wow. I don't know if I can believe that, but at the same time, why not? I have no reasons not to believe. <laughs> yeah. What other things should we be thinking about as we're considering vehicle deductibility, tracking expenses? What One thing I would point out is there's obviously you're paying as you go, you know, you're incurring costs, you're filling up your gas tank, you're paying for maintenance, et cetera. But what we're talking about is really a bookkeeping entry, meaning at the end of the year, if you track your miles and say it's, we'll use the example that I had, say you drive 12,000 miles of those about 33% are business miles. So that's 4,000 of those miles. 4,000 times the 62 and a half, whatever that number comes out to, let's see, 2,500 bucks. So it's a, uh, you're putting those miles in in your bookkeeping software and then $2,500 would be a reduction in your tax. It's an expense line item on the P&L essentially. So it is reducing your taxes, but it's not, it's sort of like one of those phantom P&L items that doesn't actually track cash flow explicitly because it's related to how many miles you're driving. Now, if you're using the actual uh, cost, then it would be a little more, you're using the actual transactions and classifying those transactions in the bookkeeping software potentially. So this is just another distinction that for practice owners who are really into their books, this is something to be aware of. Yes, the bookkeeping of it is, it could be a a task that you need to put more thinking into. How do I actually record all this and which accounts I put them in? But you can always ask, you know, your CPA or the bookkeeper, whatever you, you're using, and they'll uh, they'll help you there. Any other questions or common problems that you bump into that you think are worth addressing here, Evgeny? I can. One thing I can tell you that the auto expense, travel mileage, you know, which includes out, which are in auto expense, are probably raising more reflex with the IRS and just keep track of the expenses as much as you can, when, especially miles, miles, and even not miles, some of the other expenses, like the smaller amounts, you don't probably need receipts for everything. Sometimes like 
a spreadsheet or even a handwritten note, as long as you have the date and what you did and where you went, they'll take that. Because when you think about it, if you're asked about your miles from 2019 now, chances are, if you didn't keep track, even if it was on a sheet of paper, it will be almost impossible to recreate right now so you can show them something. And as you, as you mentioned, there's, some, there's probably a lot of apps right now that help you there. Just download one of the apps. And I mean, the phones keep track of where we're going, where we're going right now, even without any apps. I where keep we're going, these emails what we're from Google. thinking, what we're saying. They're keeping track of everything, whether you want them I to will or not. Tell you something. I was talking not a story about that, uh, which is unrelated to the auto expenses, but I think it's a. I, I think they know what we're doing. I was talking to somebody about how I couldn't get into holiday spirit when I lived down south, and and then I get a, pick up my phone and they're showing me something from down down south when I went like three years ago, four years ago. They're like, hey, do a reminder, your memory from this date. I don't know if that was a coincidence or they could hear what I was talking about and see it. Hey, let's show him this. So that that's for the, yeah. So the, it, an app will be very easy to track your miles, what we're getting yeah. with all that. And I do 100% agree, like in terms of, you know, as a business owner thinking about your big picture, like overarching, you know, we talk about risk management, and that means a lot of different things. And one of the risks to your business is like financial compliance and keeping the IRS happy and following all the rules and documenting how you follow them. And this is an area where, you know, it is an audit red flag, and there is going to be increased audit happening in the future because the the Fed has said that they're going to be throwing extra funding at that to hire agents in the future. So one thing to be aware of as you're considering your own internal financial controls and compliance, like this is an area where you want to make sure you know what you're doing and why, and make sure that you have a system for documenting in place so that you can easily validate and substantiate any claims that you're making so that you can keep on being a doctor and not have to worry about getting hauled into tax court because nobody wants that. That's right. And you also have to make sure there's different rules if you're a, an employee, an owner that owns more than 5%, an owner that owns less than 5%. So there's tweaks there, especially about depreciation. So it might be different. Your situation could be different from mine. And depending on, on your situation, uh, if you're an employee or an owner or how, how much you own. I know one thing I'll tell you that just employees, any unreimbursed expenses, which includes a lot of traveling, a lot of salespeople used to have that because they're they reimbursed a certain amount, everybody to make it easy. And then they used to expense it as an itemized deduction on the Schedule A, which is a miscellaneous itemized deduction. And right now you cannot do that. They suspended that, if I remember correctly, until 2025 or something like that. Yeah. Let's wrap it up there. I always like to keep the tax topics short and punchy. So Evgeny, as always, thanks for joining us on APM Success. Yeah, it's fine with me. And I'm I'm on a roll today. This is my second speaking engagement for the day. I'm a member of my local Toastmasters club and I gave a speech today. So that's one speech and one podcast. So two speaking engagements in one day. Was your speech having to do with tax policy? No, no. Over there, you control your topics and it's it doesn't have to be technical. You just need the certain requirements for like length and you know these things. So It wasn't about taxes. I don't want to talk about taxes all the time. Cool. Well, thank you for your time. Okay. Thanks, Justin. Pleasure. 
If you liked what you heard this week, head on over to apmsuccess.com, where you can find more content and free resources to help you build a successful career in anesthesia and pain management. If you wanted to leave a review in iTunes, I'd also really appreciate it. Thanks for using some of your valuable time to join me today on APM Success.